Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from John 12, 20 through 33. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to John in your Bible. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, The voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. I had a friend who, uh, who was in college, uh, one, of, one of the good, my good friends, he was, uh, well, he was from New Mexico, and not just like New Mexico, but like almost West Texas, Mexico, New Mexico, and he was, he was kind of a, well, he was kind of a hick, maybe just a little bit. Uh, he had this nice little twang, and uh, <laughs> uh, him and I drove a lot of places together. We, we actually interned together at a church, and uh, his grandfather played, uh, paid for his gas, so it was the logical thing to go and use his truck wherever we went, and, and one of the annoying things that he would do is he would always have a, the radio on, uh, and, and whenever there was a song that he really, really liked, he would say, ooh, this is a good one, and he'd reach over, and he'd turn it up, and he'd start singing al- along, and I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, and I, like, my exposure to country music, while there were people who liked it, it just wasn't great. Now, it's grown on me. But I can distinctly remember times when uh, this song would come on, and he would, he would turn the volume up and begin singing. Uh, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting song, right? It's a, kind of what would you do if you knew that you were going to end up dying? Uh, how would you go about living your life at this, that particular moment in time? Well, uh, John's gospel moves a little bit faster than, than the rest of them. Uh, in the course of the narrative so far, and we haven't looked at this, Jesus has already gone into Jerusalem during the Passover for the last time. Uh, he would have just come through, the, uh, through Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. Uh, people, he was on a, a donkey, and they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and... Uh, 
proclaiming Christ as king, waving palm branches and things like that. Sorry. And so he's in, he is in Jerusalem for the very last time. And uh, so that's where our, our story picks up. Uh, he definitely knows that he's going to die. He's going to communicate that to his disciples. In fact, in, in the Gospels, he communicates this quite often. And, and he does that to prepare them for what's going to happen uh, as the weeks roll down and the, the time clicks on for his, um, his crucifixion. Well, the song is fun because it, it asks that question. Like, and, and most people, if you knew you were going to die, you give yourself, give in to like, all of the things that you didn't get to do, like skydiving, uh, like bull riding. You said no, no to the skydiving? No. Uh, I, Jaren's, my, his friend I was with, his, his name is Jaren. His favorite part was like the going 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, uh, which just kind of rolls off the tongue. I don't know. I've had the song stuck in my head all, all week when I, uh, thinking about this. Oh, but you do all of those things. And uh, regardless, um, we're kind of fascinated with those kinds of songs and movies. Like, what, what would happen if we were to die? Uh, regardless of our fascination with those things and songs like this one, like, we don't ever live like we are about to die, right? Uh, we live like we're preparing for something, uh, just in general. So your kids, you have a kid. Well, first, you prepare for having a kid by reading what to expect while you're expecting, right? And then, and then you send them to preschool so that they can be prepared for kindergarten, right? So you got to prepare them. And so elementary school prepares them for middle school. And I don't think, actually, I don't think anything prepares you for middle school. No, it doesn't. Uh, you might read a book like The Parent's Guide to the Teenage Brain, uh, which might prepare you a little bit. I have extra copies in case anybody wants one. Uh, but you, you prepare for middle school, and middle school prepares you for high school. And then you've got to get all the good grades for high school because you want to maybe get into a good college or you know, a school of some kind. And you've got to prepare for college by getting all of the scholarships. And well, then, then you get to college, and, and all of your work is preparing for whatever career you're going to enter into. If you work really hard at your grades, maybe you get an internship in the field that you're looking to enter in, and you just throw yourself into that, and you are prepared. Uh, well, then you, get, you, get, you graduate, and you maybe prepare to get your first job, and you get your job, and, and you continue to prepare for that next promotion, and on and on. And maybe you go back to school so that you can get a pay raise. And then on top of that, they say, uh, you got to prepare for retirement, Right? And they say the, very, the earliest that you can start putting money back for your retirement, uh, the better. So you've got to be prepared for even that. For, well, and then you've got to buy like a burial plot at a cemetery. You've got to make all of those arrangements and you've got to prepare for death. Right. We don't ever live like we're going to die, really. Uh, we prepare for everything. Actually, um, this, this, is, this is in our kitchen. It's kind of a family motto, prior proper planning prevents poor performance. And I don't know where we picked that up, but I think that's, like, that's our lives, right? We, we plan and we prepare so that uh, we might be ready for whatever it is that's happening. Well, Jesus definitely knows that he's going to die. And, and he doesn't do like what Tim McGraw sings about. He doesn't go skydiving or bull riding or anything. Although Jesus skydiving, that would be pretty cool. 
Actually, maybe that's what the devil was tempting him to do when he told him to jump. I don't know. It's where my mind goes. Anyway, so he, he, he's preparing. He's not like trying to soak up all of the good stuff in the world. Um, he's preparing for his death. He's preparing his disciples for his death. Well, uh, the story today starts with some Greeks uh, coming up to Philip and Andrew and telling them, we want to see Jesus. Now, uh, we, we don't know a whole lot about these Greeks. They may be um, Jewish Greeks. They may have been born outside of Israel. And, uh, and they may have been in, the, in Israel for the Passover. Uh, they could be Greeks who had, who had uh, converted to the Jewish faith and were also there for the Passover. Or they could just be Gentile Greeks that had heard about what Jesus was doing. And they're like, we want to see Jesus. Now, in John's gospel, to see something like Jesus was, to, was, was kind of shorthand for to believe in, to put your faith and your trust in. Well, we don't know exactly what happens. Uh, Philip tells Andrew, and Andrew tells Jesus. Philip's got the Greek name. That's why the Greeks came to him. Uh, and so we, Jesus knows about this stuff, but we never find out what happened to these Greeks. Jesus just begins to launch into a monologue. And he says this, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There can be no mistaking what Jesus has in mind here. Uh, he, He knows that he's going to kind of be glorified through his death and through his resurrection. And he makes this analogy that like, Uh, to to wheat, right? Uh, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and goes through death, germinates, it's not really died. We can't kind of project our knowledge of agriculture on Jesus. Uh, But unless it dies, it doesn't grow up into a a mature stalk of wheat that will produce uh, lots and lots of grain. I think Jesus is... um, he knows his death will be like that the grain of a wheat, which once it dies will rise up to new life, producing a crop that's greater than any other single corn. I think there's something here, though, that's significant, uh, that dying itself brings life. And it's not just for Jesus, but it's for us as well. He says this next. Uh, those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves, we must follow me. And where I am, there my servants will be also. Whoever serves me, my Father will honor. Uh, To serve Jesus, uh, he's saying, it seems like, means to hate your life. Now, don't go to like a a dark place here. uh, Because I don't think that's what he's trying to communicate, like the way we understand it. To to hate means really to, like, reject. Uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, like, anybody who rejects their life for my sake will gain it. Now, I, I grew up uh, in the church, and I think I heard passages like this in a very particular kind of way. Now, I, I heard that, I, in my mind anyway, that, like, well, Jesus is saying that unless we just, like, give everything away, unless we hate life, unless we just are miserable all of the time, uh, that we won't be a good Christian. Uh, or, you know, if, if you're happy and contented where you are, 
that means, well, that Jesus doesn't love you as much because you're not sacrificing for him. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at, at all. Um, I had a lot of guilt about this because I, I have a really great life. Uh, I have a wonderful wife and children and, a, and a, good, a good job with you all. And I think some people take that and be like, well, if I'm comfortable here, I've got to go find somewhere else to suffer. I, I'm not the only one. Like, I can't be the only one who's thought that, right? Thank you. Thank you. We all need counseling at some point. Uh, I do. I know that for sure. Uh, I think as much as Jesus sacrificed, he enjoyed his life. Uh, I think he wanted us to, well, in John, in John's gospel, he will say, like, I've come to bring life and life abundantly. I don't think Jesus is about us not having a good time. Because you remember that whole, like, wedding thing that he went through early on? And he takes a whole bunch of water. Like, these, these jugs of water were like 70 gallons, and he turns it into a whole bunch of wine. I don't think you're into having people not have fun if you don't turn, if you're turning water into wine. Like that just, just, just kind of seems like it. Um, but I think what he's talking about is our posture towards the world. I think it means that, that you and I, like that there's a significant death that needs to happen. And it's not necessarily that we reject all of life or reject all of the good things, but that we reject the life that only has us caring about the strongest and deepest desires for ourselves. Uh, that, that what we need to reject is, um, just a second. I do apologize. I am taking some medicine that is just crazy making this happen. It's crazy dry mouth. So that's going to sit there, and I'm sorry. All right. Um, it's a selfish posture towards those around you. It's a posture that understands that all of the good things around you are to be enjoyed but not clung to. You know these things, right? Like, you can enjoy food really well. I enjoy food really well. But if I'm not careful, like, I cling to it and I get unhealthy. You can do that with just about any good thing in this world. Uh, and it ends up bringing brokenness. In John Gospel, like I said, to hate is to reject. And I think Jesus is calling us to reject a life of selfishness. After all, this is, this is the essence of what Jesus does. Like he's God, fully God, fully man. And he could have used that power to serve himself. But at the end of the day, he doesn't. He hates his life in the way we're talking about here. And he rejects it. He rejects the, the selfishness, the selfishness that comes with, with all of those things. Well, by the way, and, and Jesus calls us to do this, right? That's what he's saying to his disciples. And I think it's really, really important that Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he didn't do. Like if, if Jesus is giving of his life for, for others, uh, then this is what Jesus calls us to do as well. Well, Jesus knows what's coming. And, uh, you know, even though he's preparing, I think he's also in turmoil. Like that's what John says. 
his, his soul is troubled. It is an anguish about what's going to happen because Jesus probably likes being alive too. Uh, but he says this, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will again, I will glorify it again. In his troubledness, though, he calls out to God, and God sees what he is doing, what Jesus is doing, and says, this is what I sent you to do. Like, I am approving of this. Your, Jesus, Jesus is, God is glorified through Jesus' death and his resurrection. The fact that Jesus gives his life for others glorifies God. Uh, I think this statement, it's a confirmation that the way that Jesus is living life is the right way. It's a confirmation that the teaching of Jesus offers is the right way. We we read things like the Beatitudes, and we think uh, there's no way that practically works. But I think Jesus, God in saying this here and now, is saying all, all of the things that Jesus has said well, they're right. Because not only is God's name glorified in his, resur- in his crucifixion, but will be vindicated and validated in the resurrection. Okay. I think. This is what I think. Like, Jesus is calling us to the same thing. Uh, that you, when you and I give our lives for the sake of others, and that can be small acts or that can be kind of great acts, uh, like movie kind of lay your down life, lay your life down for the sake of the other. Uh, that when we do that, not only are we living as Christ has called us to live, but we are, we are glorifying God's name. Uh, I think this may be sums it up. In lovingly offered self-denial, others find salvation and God is glorified. Uh, a couple years ago, you all took a survey after Perry, Pastor Gary resigned, or retired. And one of the things that it said was that, that we wanted to be a church that reaches out to our community in a lot of different ways. I am entirely convinced uh, that we as individuals and, and as a church, that we can't, we can't fulfill that desire that we have unless we are lovingly offering ourselves in self-denial. That we look at our lives and we see what, what's the selfishness? What, what thing have I enjoyed just a little too much that's keeping me from loving others? What's that little thing that, that, that is keeping me from loving God. Because the more you are consumed with yourself, the less you care about anybody else. Jesus can't do what he does. Jesus can't heal a whole bunch of people. He can't die on the cross if he's only concerned about himself. If he only wants to enjoy just everything out of life for himself. I wonder, what, I wonder what it's like for us to, well, to do this. Uh, we've been asking this question a whole lot. 
uh, what does it look like to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves? I think partially answering that question is slowly becoming people who are less and less concerned about ourselves, who lovingly offer up acts of self-denial for the sake of others, that they might know Jesus and that God might be glorified. Now, last week we said in the text that we looked at that sometimes it's a little overwhelming, the things that Jesus asks us to do. And that God isn't asking us to do all of those things all at once, but one little step of obedience, one little act of faith, one little step of obedience builds better faith, which helps us to be more obedient, which helps us to have more faith, which helps us to be more obedient. So maybe it's like this. One little act of self-denial that focuses on somebody else helps us do another little act of selfless, selfless, selflessness for the sake of someone else, which leads us to do one more act of self-denial, which leads us to one more act. Until that becomes the way we live life. And in that movement, we begin, we begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ, the one who was God, in fullness, but he gave up all of that and became one of us. And he suffered through all of the things that we suffer through. He was crucified. He died. He was laid to rest. But he rose from the dead again, vindicating everything that he had done. If we want to love God with all of our heart, with everything we have, if we want to be an outreach kind of people, then we will try to do little acts of self-denial for the sake of others. Uh, That we will find ways to do that individually, but that we will find ways to do that as a church as well. We're dying. And I hope Well, we're dying, but we're dying to ourself and our selfishness, right? That's what I'm trying to say. So we're trying to live like we're dying. Uh, Live like Jesus, like he was dying, where we are, we're not not overly enjoying life, because I want you to do that, right? But that we are giving ourselves away. And this is how we prepare ourselves for, well, for whatever comes next. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.